0: what is up everyone this is sarah g and it is gen z gab let's get into it <laughs> do it and as you can see i got my sign if you are watching the vig version i think that's what it's called again i think there's a constant debate of whether it's called vig VlogCast, you name it for the video version of a podcast That being said, let's just keep going on with this. A Monday mood is the lovely Kelly Clarkson. Before anybody says, yes, I know she's already famous. Yes, I know a bunch of things, but she has been in the news for doing a great thing. And I know people will say the bare minimum, but what I'm trying to at least acknowledge here is that, It has to do with pronunciation, and I know she also has ADHD, like me, where we never know exactly how things are gonna come out, but we're trying our best, and before people go, again, Sarah, you're making this about you, no. This is where we can all take a page from Miss Kelly Clarkson, yes. We can do our part by acknowledging. We want to pronounce things the correct way. We should keep trying as a society, And again, I cannot get over how respectful it was and just that clip where she was trying to pronounce Chewy or Suey's pronunciation of her name correctly. Now, I know I probably just botched that up, but I know that's something I really care about when I want to, you know, speak out and try to, you know, say the right thing, especially because here's the thing. I know this is the day after St. Patrick's Day, so it's another reason why I want to talk about this. I have one of the more complex last names that shouldn't even be that complex. I know and I want to respect that with other people, whether it be a first name or a last name. So again, as I've continuously said in this space, that I'm okay with people correcting me if I'm saying things wrong or I want them... To at least feel comfortable, you know, even people in the comments who know how to pronounce it right to do it, because that's the only way I'm gonna learn, or other people will learn. So yes, as we move on from that and talk about some other things as well, like uh, what the hell is going on with Gwyneth Paltrow? We all know I've spoken about this, and the fact that it is again still on topic, on brand with this month and, you know, eating disorder awareness. We need to talk about that dear media interview. What the hell is going on there? What the hell? Like Gwyneth is not someone we should be taking advice from. And then even to code it in that version of this is what my doctor recommends for me. The fact that so many people like me with chronic illness have spoken out about how, you know, even some of the IBS stuff, IBD stuff is restrictive, but nowhere near that amount. And then she tries to pull it on long COVID, which we should believe on people suffering from it. That's not the issue. It's just going forward as well as she talks about trying to continue longevity, etc. after her parents own issues with their health and throat cancer. And the list goes on. But it's again, the superiority complex that a lot of celebs and influencers have over. And I actually do a sauna. I do, and I've done some bone broth, but that's just because I don't have it as a full meal or a full thing. It's because, unfortunately, I will say, as a person with chronic illness and that has, luckily, a supportive family that's willing to help me, you know, fund it, That is a crucial part. I would say that for 95% of people, doing even what I do, which is not at all the level that Gwyneth does, it's still unaccessible, inaccessible for a variety of reasons. And the only reason I switched over, because I've been talking and hearing a lot of people from the chronic illness community, and this goes into what I'm going to talk about probably for the majority of the podcast. But I have endometriosis, I have Hashimoto's, I have IBS, which people will all kind of say aren't really things that are that big of a deal, except for they are. Also, endometriosis is my biggest issue, especially right now. Uh, I do want to preface this, I'm not medical, and my whole experience can be different than yours. Please note, do not. Do not go off the medication that I'm gonna talk about if you are on it without discussing with your doctor. Cause it is crucial to know that there are issues and there are side effects that can affect in different ways. But please do not do this all on your own without consulting, that's the thing. And consult actual doctors, not whatever Gwyneth got going on or people that are too afraid to say no to money, like that's the scaminess. So as I go into this, and yes, I have ADHD, we all know that and we get that with how I talk, etc. But today I'm going to talk a lot about Orlyssa. And before anyone says, what the hell is Orlissa? I've never even heard of it, neither did I. And it's a fairly new medication that's been through trials for like the past five years. It is for people who are more in my mom's age group, similar to Luprin, but supposedly not to be as bad as it. However, I will say that from a majority of the research that I've done and for how the marketing kind of skims over, and again, no hate to Orlissa If it helps you, if it works for you, and if you have not had any sort of these issues, Continue to take it, continue to work with your healthcare provider to make it happen and etc. But my whole point that I'm about to talk about is completely, completely different. And I already have to say, I've talked about my genetics and how I am more predisposed to things like alcoholism, uh, mental health issues, etc. Again, my family is Irish, very Irish, not all Irish especially, but we are very Irish. We had family that were through the famine and like I said before, some people on my grandfather's side are actually Huguenot descent that had to be forced out into Northern Ireland due to the fact of a fact of religion and that's a very complex, very nuanced issue that I'm still learning about to this day, still learning about different things and I follow people Like, again, the amazing Katie Boyle, who talks and teaches me a lot about it. And as we're reconnecting with different parts of me within my family, as I said, I'm a Luxembourg citizen, which is still different. There's a lot of things that go on that you don't even realize why people were forced out, etc., And I'm not even surprised, sometimes I go, I'm surprised that my family never winded up in Latin America or the Caribbean, etc., with being Irish, with the more that I learn about. And no, we weren't Irish slaves. There is a big discourse going on, but please know, there was never that. They were servants, but it was still way different. And I think that we need to talk about that as well. But we're going to save that for a different time. So, yes, moving on from that. And I get endometriosis from my mom's side. So I guess all my bad things don't inherently come from my dad's side. But to be fair, we did not clearly go down without a fight. For anybody asking, like, what were the options, etc., especially for this one side of the family, literally with Huguenot ancestry or, you know, you descending from them, it's very complicated, but I can basically sum it up as the people that weren't the Protestant faith, I assume, of France, okay, the people who refused to, you know, conform and decide to not switch over to the Catholic faith, they had two options after that, death or fleeing. And obviously, as I've been finding out, my family fleed to Northern Ireland, where it was more accepted. And again, there are so many things that I could go on about this, but I am going back to the task at hand with Orlissa, with my mom being more of the reason that I have endometriosis, but I was talking about chronic illness in general and connecting it to what people do sometimes and how very detrimental and scary Gwyneth Paltrow's rhetoric is and the fact again that Dear Media was willing to do that and was willing to post it and not even feeling any sort of shame afterwards is disturbing and even if I get hate comments on this I do not care this is time that we use our platforms for good I know I'm a smaller creator but this is my two cents of it so moving on from that I have been over a month on this whirlwind between getting laparoscopic treatment for my endometriosis and to finally get it completely diagnosed. And I've talked about this a few times. I have the white or clear version. There are like five different versions. And obviously if you want to know more about some of these things, you can always go online to ask like Dr. Jen Gunther, Dr. Jen Lincoln, and TikTok baby doc on TikTok, or babies over 35. And they are amazing creators that do well with explaining all these things. There are more than just them, but those are the top three that are very much out there right now explaining a lot of things. So we are, like I said, have talked about this multiple times on this podcast. So if you have questions regarding that, also Dr. For Jennifer Lincoln does have a podcast where she breaks down a lot of different, uh, different uh, things that go along with, you know, down there. So, yeah. But aside from that, we are going to just keep going with that. Uh, But anyway, I tried Orlissa for the past month. And the problem is also I do want to tell people, please, please, please go to your junk mail. Because you never know when a doctor is actually trying to get a hold of you. And sometimes they don't call you because of doctor-patient confidentiality things. But sometimes they call you when they realize that you don't or have not seen their messages, and that's okay. But I'm going to preface this. Oralisa probably didn't work for me because I have so many mental health issues on top and they are not necessarily issues, but that means that I'm probably more sensitive to the hormone and mood changes that go along with it. So let me just start there. So, Orlissa, what is supposed to help with my pain, with my specific type of endometriosis? I have stage three deeper implanted, not something that you can just laser out, it's lighter, which makes it more of a risk for me to, if they tried to laser it out, probably bleed. Again, that was my understanding. I could be completely wrong, and again, I want to emphasize I am not a practitioner of any kind. This is my, my personal story, okay? So, aside from that, So it's supposed to help out with my pain, my, you know, not growing very much more, etc. However, I was on the pill for many years before and I actually never had a problem with the pill and the dosage. It was just that my cramps kept getting worse and so on and so forth. And before anybody says the pill is the worst thing, no, it's not, okay? Like, No, it is not. If anything, it probably kept my emotions as well in check. There's a lot of things that it can do great. I understand it might not be for everyone and especially people with polycystic ovary syndrome, but I do not have that. So we do not know and it is not my place, not my story to talk about it. So there's that. So as I continue with that, Orlissa, I've been on it for about, yeah, a month than a half a month and it has been a very ebb and flow up and down craziness for me. And you know what? If anything, it helped a little bit with the bloating and a lot of the cramping, except for right now when I'm specifically supposed to be on my period right at this moment. I know, I know, I can't believe I talked about that, but it's not dirty. Okay. But I'm supposed to be on my period at this exact moment and what happens I'm not and it's okay if you don't really get a period on some of these medications but the fact of the matter is I'm still cramping feeling sick feeling gross and my emotions have been off the wall I have been n- not myself and I feel like I'm losing it I am still on my antidepressant I am still on my ADHD meds you know I've been checking out what have I been doing differently? Probably I should look back into, you know, getting some counseling because it's a big thing that just happened. But aside from that, I was very stable till mid-January on a lot of things now. Do I still have some, you know, issues with some other things? Yes. But have I been overall stable? Yeah. So that's why when you combine it with the stress of a new medication and the stress of, is this a side effect or is this me just going crazy? it's problematic. And I do want to preface this, please search from the website more because you'll get more details. And please note when a doctor says you may experience some, you know, changes in mood, etc. Just know that the mood changes that I experienced are probably not talked about enough and that we need to consider that. But it's still a good option for people who maybe aren't as susceptible to the highs and lows like I am. Again, I don't want to badmouth it because I truly don't know everyone's different, okay? So this is just my personal experience before I get the pitchforks and knives towards me, okay? So anyway, I just, I have been a mess like last month when I first really started it. You know, I thought it would be a few days, work it out. I messaged my doctor about it, and then I got a response that was not that nice, and it felt more dismissive. So I hadn't really checked in very much until about a week ago. I was like, I am feeling the same kind of way. I'm feeling very much emotional. I can't control it. It's making my PMDD way worse and just everything is going off the walls. I haven't been sleeping well and yes a lot of it could have been attributed to some of the health problems that my dog had but she has been completely stable and then some of it could be daylight savings but I don't believe it because I've been going nuts for the past month and it just has not changed much since then and I've been crying way more which rarely happens like today I went to Nick Universe by the way this is a little separate piece but they were celebrating their 15th anniversary and I saw some new performer that I hadn't even heard of, so this is where I was crying because I was getting old, but I was having these, like, emotional, like, breakdowns in the middle of the store that is not normal, and I wake up with a headache, and it's just a lot of those little things that add up and build up and start to make me feel extra crazy, and it's not me just being a hysterical woman, okay? And it felt a lot like when I was going through my beginnings with Hashimoto's, and just a lot of that stuff between, is this just the depression that comes with quarantine or is this something off? And it's able to deduce a lot of things by, you know, playing the elimination game. So anyway, that is a big part of my takeaway that I've had to discuss on here about Orlissa. It is not inherently a bad thing for you to be on, but just beware, That they warn you more about hot flashes, which I think I'm going through one right at this exact moment, which is so great, right? But hot flashes, and they say bone density loss, but they really kind of skim over, or they say it's in less than 6% of patients. And they don't really talk about, you know, suicide or suicide ideation. And there's some of that that goes on with a lot of women like me, so, or presenting like me. So I just wanted to clear the air. If you're ever someone considering taking Orlissa that you should definitely, I'd say it doesn't hurt to try it, but please keep track of your emotions especially because it can go from zero to a hundred without ever thinking it. And it's, honestly, if it doesn't, I'm in a place where my endometriosis is very severe pain, significant pain. If it only helps a little bit, but now you're still having similar cramping and feelings, it's probably not worth it for your mental health. And as we conclude that piece of Gen Z gab, let's go back into the medical universe that is Gray's. And I know people would say, Sarah, I thought you gave up on it after last week, pretty much. Yes, every week I say I'm going to give up a little bit. But every week, there's still something that draws me in, and the fact that I'm still following along with Station 19, and the fact that Jack Gibson, everyone, has suddenly decided to pull, like, that 360 Mark Sloan moment, although he's always been a little sweeter than Mark, but not much, but, uh, where he's yelling at his sister who was high in in a motorcycle uh, fender bender thing. But I will say the one thing that I really do adore about Station 19 right now is that not that I enjoy Maya completely, but I do like that she's at least owning up to a lot of things and the fact that she's holding little Maya in a few episodes back and that her and Karina at least talk to each other. Although, again, are are we really going to talk about I don't want to team anything, but... I do appreciate how this storyline has been handled, and Beckett sucks, okay? We don't need to get into more, and I'm still not forgiving of, you know, Maya's way of buying him his favorite liquor, but yeah, there's just so many things going on, and I do, again, appreciate when I still can't get over two weeks ago's episode that I love so much where they, you know, add so many levels, especially to the women in the team, on the station, etc. But again, I love when Andy speak Spanish. And I know people are going to be like, why? Because it connects, again, that we're all different, but we can all figure out a way to, you know, connect to each other. And the fact that there was common ground, er, etc. And that when this kid was scared and anxious, he speaks both languages completely bilingual. But the fact that when he was scared, and Andy's language of Spanish as well, she decided instead of, even when he said it was okay to speak English, she still was calming him down that way. And, you know, I personally love it when I see not just shows doing that, but society trying. And I know that this is a very, got a lot of you know, dynamics and a lot of things that I probably haven't said correctly, but I just wanted to applaud that scene again because I rewatched it recently and it even calmed my nerves. And I know people are going to say that's the weirdest thing that you're even throwing that around, but I wanted to say as a kid with ADHD again, Spanish was the only class that I really felt smart in growing up. There's something about linguistics and there's something about... You know, feeling good that you can talk and that you can, you know, understand something different that doesn't come easy to a lot of the smart, quote unquote, smart kids. It was a way that my learning ability was able to thrive. And I just really, really, truly appreciate when you can show those different aspects around. But going back to Grey's, I have had so many parallel moments. And this week's episode actually, as despite the beginning with uh, a lot of that triangle stuff, and you know, the Ho era the th- one character is going in, I want to say, and yes, I'm mentioning Mika, but she literally is the Christina Alex holds the group together without people realizing it. And I cannot get over though, the scene with Catherine, and of all people that pass out, you have a room of Blue, you have a room of Lucas, and you have a room of Schmidt glasses, and of all the people to, you know, pass out there, you're gonna think it's glasses still, even though he's now chief resident, and then... Yeah, we we assume it's Little Shep that's gonna pass out, more likely all of us do, but I love that they threw more of that curveball, that it was Blue that passed out. But aside from that, I I loved watching an episode once again, and people go, probably to me, why am I so against love, or whatever. I'm against these constant recycle of the toxicity, etc. And no one's so fully toxic, per se, but I just... I hate getting connected to new characters and seeing them like get their hearts ripped out. Okay. And do I personally believe that I've watched enough of that, that where when you finally get a good insight to the new interns that you kind of wish it was more like the interns from season nine, where they weren't super hung up. Yes, I know people were hung up on Alex, but they weren't hung up with each other. Like they were just building friendships. Yeah. I wish it was more like that. Okay. That's just me. I wish that with the intern house, I just wish that a lot of it was more like just building good friendships, leaning on each other. Yes, I know Shane made a move on Stephanie at one point, but that just kind of never got re-explored and I am totally okay with that. I don't need more j or more of, you know, Meridaire. I love Meridaire we need, but it was just, we don't need a lot of that recycling. And yes, I know I'm someone that might be hypocritical because I say, oh, but I want a repeat of, like, the Calzona mark thing. Well, yeah, now that I see that there's potential, I did, and I will always ship Lika, okay? Like, I will. And you know what? I found out that not, I am not the only one that does that, okay? So, I understand that everybody wants more of Taryn and Mika, Tika, but I just thought it was good at least to get some of that. And again, I am going to talk about why Midori and Nico are my favorite to watch, their interactions, and hearing that they, in real life, have like the closest bond potentially, now I could be wrong. I feel like everyone vibes with everyone on that set very well, but when I find out that their closest, at least per Midori, that makes me happy, okay? It just, it just makes me happy. And that, you know, even though it's not really probably gonna happen, it just makes me think of the possibility, okay? And all my ships usually get cancelled, even though, because they're unpopular. So, yeah. Will I continue to do parallels? Probably. Will I continue to probably talk about this? Mm Mm-hmm. Will I be annoying and grinchy about parts of things, yes. Also I want to talk about quickly before we wrap up the whole resurgence of Hunger Games and like where people are breaking down a lot of things, especially in Women's History Month, and I think it's amazing and whatnot. But I do appreciate when people I was confused because the first time reading it and understanding it and how my brother had to read it two years before me and the movies came out, etc. But just because there's been so much discourse recently, I appreciate that they've at least acknowledged that casting Jennifer Lawrence, at least a lot of people have been at least acknowledging altogether, that Jennifer Lawrence was not the first to- choice and that casting directors should rethink in the future. Because, in a way, with the location and Pan Am they've been talking about, is that they're mixed race and that, you know, it's a very much a discussion open about how Katniss, you know, identifies or looks more like her native dad, her poor dad. And I know people are going to say, well, what's that got to do? Compared to her white passing white mother and her white passing sister. And before anybody says anything, it's not that deep. Nope. Uh, Suzanne Collins has even talked about it. So let's stop there. And I do think that with all these resurgence of reboots, etc. We need to consider that in the future, that, you know, that that it is time when I've talked about some of this stuff, and when I've discussed, you know, diversity, etc. Even me, I am, when I think about this, when I've applied for roles that later turn out not to be fitting for me. I've mentioned this multiple times, but I choose not to really go for them. And when I say not to really go for them, now I will not absolutely not go for them. But earlier on, I was a little more neurotic or nervous about, you know, they gave me an opportunity like that, you know, toxic rhetoric that goes along with the industry. And I obviously looked uncomfortable and I wasn't as you know confident as now where I'm working with different people to maybe say no you know etc standing your ground and I think that with how the societal and how Hollywood is it needs to change and I think we've talked about that multiple times and a lot of other people have said that they're gonna work on that and I think it's good. And I just wanted to bring that up when I've thought about though, the whole thing with Katniss, that there was an opportunity that we missed. And I agree because I was telling my mom, you know, I have gray eyes. I have all er, like pale skin. I have brown hair, you know, I, I, could, I could have played her, but my mom actually was the one that brought it up to me that I don't think she's fully white. And that was a good way to acknowledge. I don't think you could fit that. And of course, they turn around and hire Jennifer Lawrence, who's blonde haired blue eyed, whiter than white American, you know. And that was what bothered me more than anything. And, you know, Liam Hemsworth, we have our own issues with him. But the characters in itself, like now I totally see that and it is making me more like we need to, you know, acknowledge and when if and when there's a reboot, we should consider that for the future, especially because, yes, a lot of people throw around, oh, I've got the Cherokee princess eye roll. But no, there is, with the way that Pan Am was located, there's a good chance she was of at least Cherokee or some of that, you know, southern band tribes. Again, I'm probably wrong with what I just said, or exactly the understanding, but I want to just say I want to hold space. I want to acknowledge if I ever, you know, have more of a say in this industry, etc. That I would fight willingly to say this is not okay to keep whitewashing, especially when you look at the characters, the careers. So many people have broke this down. Districts one and two that are the careers or whatever are the ones that are you know the more can't even think of the word the more privileged the more passing you name it the ones that are succeeded to win whereas the more industrial like pan am district 12 rue you name it they're not as much likely to and they've got scrappy skills because they've needed to survive And obviously I can't spend a lot of time talking about this because it's really not my place, whereas a lot of other people that I've been noticing on TikTok talking about it have more of the need and the space that should. And I want to, you know, acknowledge that. I'm not probably the best person to, but I wanted to at least say that I completely agree with everything And that we need to discuss this more moving forward if they ever consider to do a reboot to make things right. We can't go back in time and try to fix it, but we can try to make the future better. Things, yes. But aside from that, I am going to talk as we end this episode, episode 45 here, We're going to talk about how I'm suddenly feeling old as hell, even though I've always felt old as hell. But the fact of the matter is Nick Universe just turned 15 and then I started to go through the fact that I was mostly till about eight. It was Camp Snoopy when I really needed it. And then 8 to 10, they were kind of doing these Nick things. And then I started to think through, I'm like, when did Nick Universe actually open? Oh, when I was 10. And then now it's five years later. Holy shit. It is 15. And the fact of the matter that they now have a lot of people who were from the Kids' Choice Awards already, these performers, and my mom and I going to the mall, on a Saturday, which we should have already knew better, but the problem is that we thought that all the big things would have been done by maybe one. We thought we were going on the kind of earlier end. What what happens there? Of course, you see dads and moms and families, etc., going to this show. And I have to say, the amount of strollers I saw, I'm like, this could be my future in 15 years. And also, I want to preface this with that I know families come in different ways. I completely understand that. And yes, maybe I did pay slightly more attention to nuclear families as I was going through it. But it was more of just... At the time, me walking in and seeing the families and the strollers, etc, that was just more what I was speaking on and seeing the dads get frustrated with the strollers. My dad had been there. My mom had actually asked him, do you need any help? No. Did I see a lot of that going on? Do you need any help? No. I'm gonna figure out how these strollers work themselves. And that's why parking was so crappy at one point, and that's why it was so busy, aside from between last week and the end of March, early April, there is spring break. But I think about my childhood a lot, and then I have this identity crisis where people say, you're not quite millennial, you're not quite Gen Z, no, 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 no. I'm Gen Z. We established that. I will put the Pew Research thing in. It's just that as somebody actually pointed out on a TikTok recently, that you're now getting into your 20s or mid-20s as a Gen Z person, and now that Gen Alpha comes around, people are calling them Gen Zers, which made it an identity crisis when everyone called me millennial, even though I'm not millennial. And that never-ending cycle of people, especially boomers, calling everyone millennials is what gave me the said identity crisis. So just consider that Uh, I've taken plenty of tests, not that it matters, but, and looking again at the sign and who I am, it is Gen Z. I am Gen Z, okay? I'm older, I'm geriatric, whatever you want to call it. But I am Gen Z and I've taken enough tests not to prove it or anything, but but have proved it, okay? It's like the forgotten middle child, which, or the middle child that, you know, does what they do and whatever and don't really know half the time where they fit in, like I've talked about multiple times. So, yeah, there it all is for you on why it's so confusing as well, but yeah there will never be a time I think that we won't be wrong about who fits in what generation. But I have to say, watching the Gen Alpha kids interact with everything after, you know, their COVID experience of, you know, preschool, etc., it, it might've been okay that they had this outing. However, I will say one thing with it, my ADHD that I've noticed, especially with sleeping, etc., that I've gone all over about. The one thing that I love about it is that I can thrive and turn off, like, the sounds and things around me and just focus, hyper focus on kind of a task at hand. And I know that sounds very weird, but I was saying this to my mom as I was following her that I'm just trying to be go with the flow. Like, sometimes you've said that, you know, when I used to get very overwhelmed and not know how to regulate everything, now that I do, it's very different and I can just, you know answer your question and move on and people say how do you thrive under chaos it's kind of hard to explain because everyone's different and unique and again i also have ocd so that's a comorbidity anxiety disorder and again not everything i say probably is correct because i am in fact not an expert just someone who's lived with it and before anyone says oh okay so you're talking like you're an expert as opposed to being an expert, I know. But at least I can talk about my experience and continuously say, I am not an expert. I can own up to, I am not an expert. This is just my experience. Whereas, you know, again, like all the celebrities try to say that they are experts with a lot of the wellness culture, et cetera. So as we, you know, wrap it up here, Please make sure to like, subscribe, comment below and also I have a date for anyone that wanted to leave questions for Jeremy Gordon, the casting director turned acting coach. He will be on March 30th, he and I will be doing our interview so please go to Gen Z Gab and leave your question there when I do the ask me anything thing. This has been episode 45 of Gen Z Gap, and we will see you soon.